Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. Uh, Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenker working from back in Connecticut. I'm Buster only working from the airport, because if you didn't know that, uh, down in Houston, you hear the calls in the background going on. Uh, Taylor, Sarah, thanks for getting up early and uh, taping a podcast before we get on the plane. Uh, and it was interesting, game seven last night, a lot of drama. Uh, you know, Dolores Garcia was absolutely incredible. Bruce Bochy and the Rangers reaching the World Series. Uh, and on the other hand, man, what an ugly game. Oh my gosh. So what, at what point are you like, I need to get out of here. Can we do the podcast right now so I could just get to sleep and, and get on a plane? Uh, at no point because <laughs> I knew that the post game, I had to write a story, a full story, which I did mm. about the Astros and spent a lot of time in their clubhouse, you know, talking to Alex Bregman, talking to Justin Verlander. And of course, uh, seeing, you know, he listening to Dusty Baker and what uh, it seems to be his last day as a manager in the big league, 74 years old, all those years as a player, Sarah, all those years as a manager, and it may have ended last night. What an ugly, you know, I mean, the Astros reign as uh, champions comes to an end last night in an ugly fashion. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, definitely ugly. Very surprising. Did not have that on my bingo card and also didn't have the Phillies losing on my bingo card either. So tough day. All right. Well, for today, because you hear all the calls in the background of all the flights, we're going to have Taylor do the rundown, do the game highlights and the interviews that we taped after the game. I talked with Adolis Garcia, uh, talked with uh, Bruce Bochy and others. All right, Buster. Thanks a lot. Let's get started in Philadelphia. Diamondbacks, Phillies, game six. It felt like Arizona needed to get off to a hot start. And boy, did they ever. Curveball hit in the air left field. That one way back on its way. And that is gone. Home run Tommy Pham. He hammered the curve into the left field seats. And the Diamondbacks have jumped out. It is one nothing. Swing and a high drive, left field. This ball's got a chance. On its way, gone! Home run, Lourdes Goriel Jr., back-to-back. And the Diamondbacks lead it 2 to nothing. That sound from the legend, Boog Shambi on ESPN Radio. That's the third time this postseason the Diamondbacks have hit back-to-back home runs. So it's 2 nothing Diamondbacks in the top of the second. Pretty good start, right? Well, they weren't done. Evan Longoria at the plate, Alec Thomas on first. Swing and a ball ripped out into left center field. That'll touch down for a hit, and it'll bang up against the wall. Thomas racing for third. They're going to send him. The relay throw is offline. Thomas into score. Longoria an RBI double, and it is 3-0 Arizona. Brandon Marsh got one back in the second, but Keitel Marte hadn't gotten in on the party yet. Here he is, top of the fifth. Corbin Carroll on first. Nola sets, fires, swing and a line drive, hooking, fair ball. That'll get into the corner. Here's Carroll racing for third, and they're going to send him. The throw is coming in towards the second baseman. Into third is Cattell Marte. Carroll comes in to score, and that will go as a three-bagger, and it is 4-1 Arizona on top. The other half of the equation for the Diamondbacks last night was Merrill Kelly. He shut down the Phillies lineup. Here he is, bottom of the sixth. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Harper is gone, and Merrill Kelly gets him 1-2-3 for the second straight inning, and he has set down eight in a row. Merrill Kelly pitches five innings, had eight strikeouts, three hits, one walk, and only one earned run. It was a little surprising when Tori Lavella pulled Kelly when he did, but it all worked out in the end. Here's Keitel Marte putting a cherry on top of this victory, top of the seventh. Here's the pitch. Swing and a ground ball. That's a base hit up the middle. Perdomo to third, around third. He's in to score. Keitel Marte has knocked in another, and the Diamondbacks now lead it 5-1. Marte went two for five with two RBI, and he's hit safely in all 15 career postseason games, tied for the longest streak to begin a postseason career. Dude is on a tear, and here's how it all ended. Seawall delivers. 
in there. Got him looking. Ball game. Paul Seawald closes it out, and the Arizona Diamondbacks here on the road at Citizens Bank Park have forced game seven. 5 1 the final, and Arizona victorious, and we're going to a deciding game seven tomorrow night. Diamondbacks 5, Phillies 1, your final score, game seven. Tonight, Tuesday, first pitch is at 8.07 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen on ESPN Radio or watch it on TBS. Here is Merrill Kelly after the game with our guy Jesse Rogers. All right, Merrill, just a great, great outing. Fastball up, sinker away, change up and curve down. Take me inside that one. Where would you rank that this year? Um, I think just the fact that we won game six probably puts it at the top of the list, right? Um, we knew we had to come in here and, and battle. We knew it was going to be tough. Obviously, this, the, the fan base speaks for itself. It's a really good team over there. Um, it's been a really good series, but we knew we had to come in here and jump on them. And uh, obviously, the, the boys did a good job putting some runs up early, and I was able to kind of finish it out. Go back to the first time here. Did that inform you a little bit, pitching that in this environment, game two, and then bringing that to this game six situation? Yeah, I think so. Uh, more just the experience of the playoffs, right? I've been in the in the playoffs other places, but obviously never in the big leagues. Um, so I think the fact that just getting that, that game underneath my belt obviously helps coming back. You got pulled. You had some conversations with your manager. Tell me about that. Uh, yeah, as a competitor, I just never like come out of the game, especially in this in this situation. Um, I just want to be out there for my guys and, and help us win. Um, you know, we talked it out and we're good now and, and we'll move forward. Good luck tomorrow. Appreciate it. Here's more from Merrill Kelly in the postgame press conference on his reaction to getting pulled. I just don't like ever coming out of a game. Um, that's partly just me being stubborn. Um, also partly just the situation. I think partly why I was upset right there was I was kind of just taken off guard by it. Um, you know, I just went through their top three, punched out two of them, um, 90 pitches through five. I'm thinking I'm for sure going back out for six. Um, and then when I came in and, and saw his handout for the handshake that I was done, it, it kind of just, I think, kind of took me by shock more than anything. Um, and in that situation, obviously, NLCS game six, I want to be out there. I want to help my team win. Um, and that's kind of my mentality. Here's Tori Lavello on that decision. What I expect from Merrill, he's an unbelievable competitor, never wants to be taken out of a game until he's, he is abs- his tank is absolutely empty. Uh, he was making statements to me that told me that he would, was capable of going back out there. But I just, I've got to be, I got to be the, 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 the parent in the room and make a tough decision and hand it over to bullpen that's been very, very efficient. Uh, he had done his job. It was 65 pitches through three. That was a concern. It was 48 after two. That was a concern. So I was, I was managing his workload. I was watching his stuff. It was, in my opinion, it was just time to come out of the game. What I can share about it is, um, he was pounding the table to go back out there and was and was shocked that I was going to remove him from the game. Here's Tori Lovello and Tommy Pham. First of all, I know he's got a he's got a warrior mentality. Um, he didn't like watching a game the other day from from the other side. I know that he feels like he got benched, but I just was giving him a little bit of a blow. Um, and I know that um, a lot of the information that I had in front of me and and very targeted information said that it was a really good matchup for him and Nola. Here's Aaron Nola on his struggles with yesterday's game. Yeah, curveball right over the middle to, to Pam. Put a good swing on it. Um, and then just had a great pitch to, to Guria right there. Two seam in, down and in, kind of right in his bat path. I got me right there. And then um, the walk. The walk uh, to Thomas scored. So, and ball right over the middle of the plate to Longoria. Scored him right there. So, uh, just bad inning right there. And, you know, they didn't miss too many balls over the plate. There are too many balls over the plate tonight, and they didn't miss them. Tonight's pitching matchup will be Brandon Fott for the Diamondbacks and Ranger Suarez for the Phillies. Hold on to your butts, everyone. Should be a great game. Feels like all the pressure's on Philadelphia. And if they take a hit early, again, how do they handle it? And then, like Hembo said the other day, it applies, you know, again, to the Diamondbacks. Can the Diamondbacks make it through the Phillies lineup for the first time unscathed? They did it last night. That will be the question again in Game 7. Buster, Tim, Sarah, they're all going to be looking ahead to tonight's game coming up. So we go from Game 6 in the NLCS to Game 7 in the ALCS, where no one has won at home in this series. Sarah Lang said yesterday that home field literally doesn't matter in Game 7, so throw out the record books. And you know what? The Rangers, they came here to prove exactly that point. Here's Corey Seager at the plate, top of the first. The 1-0. 
And that ball driven to right field. It's real deep, and you can forget about it. This one goes second deck. Corey Seager, what a start for the Rangers. He blasts off, and it's 1-0 Texas in the first. Ravi Train right there, ESPN Radio. The Rangers were aggressive from the jump after Corey Seager homered. Evan Carter walked, then stole second. Then Adolis Garcia came to the plate. And the 3-2 on the way to Garcia. And that ball smoked to left field. Did he do it again? Incoming, it's off the wall. Carter read it beautifully. He's coming in to score. Garcia didn't get a great jump out of the box. He may have thought he had a homer. He's at first, but it's 2-0 Rangers. And they weren't done yet. Garcia gets on base. He gets the RBI. He steals second. And then Mitch Garver comes to the plate. 2-2. And this ball is popped up. Should be playable. Shallow center. Here comes Brantley. He can't get there. It's off his glove. Garcia will come on in to score. And as the throw comes in, to second goes Garver. And it is 3-0 Texas. That ball was up there forever. Christian Javier wouldn't even make it out of the first inning. Remarkable stuff. A testament to the the Rangers' just relentlessness at the plate. Jose Abreu, he would get one back for the Astros in the first. In the top of the third, Rangers leading 3-1. to one. That guy, Adolis Garcia, came to the plate. The 3-2. And Garcia, right field, towards the corner, tailing over there. And it is gone. He's done it again. It's Adolis Garcia's world, and we are all witnessing it. Is he hot? A home run just inside the foul pole, and it is 4-1 Texas. This game was still tight early. Here's Alex Bregman in the bottom of the third. Two balls, two strikes to Bregman with one out, and this ball is driven to left, fairly deep. Carter going back, he's looking up. It's over the wall, over the yellow line. That's a home run for Alex Bregman. And all that experience pays off. It's a big fly, and it is 4-2 now, Texas, as Bregman blasts one here at home. So unfortunately, this is where it all unraveled for the Astros. It's 4-2, top of the fourth, J.P. France on the mound, bases loaded, and Evan Carter at the plate. The 1-0 to Carter. Swings, and that is a fair ball down the line in right field. That's going to bring in Young. Following him, Simeon. And a two-run double for the 21-year-old kid. And Texas now leads it 6-2. to two. Next batter, the ALCS MVP, puts it away. There's no way that I am pitching to this guy right here right now. In a 6-2 game, 2-0 pitch to Garcia, runners at second and third. Hits it on the ground and through. Carter with his speed, rounds third, and two will score as Seager steps on it. Then Carter and Adolis Garcia is three for three tonight. Texas is destroying Houston pitching. They lead it 8-2 in the fourth. Which was your favorite of Adolis Garcia's four hits? This one was in garbage time, but I like this stroke. Bottom eight. Sky high to left, and the Crawford boxers are waiting, and that's where it lands! Adolis Garcia has his second home run tonight and his 20th RBI of the postseason. And here's what it sounded like in the end. Rangers ready to explode over the dugout rail. Their fans behind him standing. One ball, two strikes, two out pitch to Tucker. On the ground to second, should do it. Simeon throws to first, and the Texas Rangers. 90 wins in the regular season fly cross country, and their journey will bring them to the World Series for the first time since 2011 as they roll over the Houston Astros. Our guy, Buster Olney, boots on the ground. Here he is with the ALCS MVP, Adolis Garcia. Adolis, you're going to be playing in the World Series. You'd assume in a few minutes could be winning the MVP of this series. What's going through your mind right now? Estoy muy contento por lo que el equipo hizo. Batallamos. El equipo ayer no fue un día. El día no empezó muy bien para mí. Pero ellos siempre me dijeron, hey, we got you back. So they they fight, they win the game, and today we did it again. I'm really proud of what the team accomplished, you know. Coming into tonight, yesterday, it wasn't our best game. It wasn't the best game for me particularly as well. Just battling out there, the results that we're getting. 
he took the rest in English. After everything that happened in Game Five, how gratifying was it to come in here and have these two huge games? I told everybody like it doesn't matter. If God say we want to win, we're gonna win no matter what, and that's what happened. How dangerous is this team right now? Uh, so we are so excited right now. We are going to the World Series, and you know we're so happy and excited. Adolis, thanks. Here's Buster with Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, first year with the Texas Rangers. You're going to the World Series. What's going through your heart right now? Uh, it's pounding right now. It's just incredible. It's just been an honor manage these guys and what and what they've done all year and come in here and do do what we had to do. I can't say enough about them. It, this is an unbelievable feeling, what you played for. I was sitting at home for three years, not doing anything but coaching a little bit of t-ball. Here I am in the World <laughs> Series. What what an honor. Garcia, what a series he had. What did you see in him in the series and tonight? I, he's one of those guys you can jump on his back. I mean, everybody did something, but what he did was truly amazing. And, and he's that gifted, and yeah, we're lucky to have him, trust me. I saw you during batting practice trying to cajole Tony Beasley to pitch yeah. up, pitch up in the zone, and you jumped all over their starter tonight. Yeah, I can't say enough about our, our, our playing, our hitting coaches. Uh, what a great job Donnie Ecker, Tim Hires did. And I was trying to, trying to get Beasley, throw it up, throw it up, get used to it. And those guys came out and swung the bats. So the Astros bow out of the playoffs after winning it all last season. A championship, I'm sure it was the goal, but a, a good season nonetheless. I'm sure they'll be contenders next year. Uh, here's Dusty Baker after the game talking about if he considered pitching around Adoles Garcia. Why do we continue to pitch to Garcia? Why do they continue to pitch to your Don? I mean, you got to pitch to him at some point in time. You know, I mean, that's baseball. Here's Dusty on why it's so dang hard to repeat. Well, a lot of it has to do with... You know, there's, you're playing a long season. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. Guys having good years, guys having bad years, team having injuries. Some teams, I mean, some years you don't have any injuries. Uh, or, you know, we start the season injured. You know, we start, I mean, we're playing from, from behind, you know, the whole season like it was a grind. And while you'll likely see a lot of the same faces in Houston again come spring training, the one we might not see is Dusty Baker. We've been talking about this for months on the show about if this is going to be his final season managing a team. Here's Dusty talking about his future. I don't know. I haven't had time to evaluate or think about my future because, you know, like I'm not that kind of dude. I, I don't want to steal a spotlight or anything from these guys. You know, I mean, you got to savor what we did and then I'll evaluate um, my situation and in my life. You know, we'll see. I talked to my daughter. I got two grandsons, a year and a half. I mean, I've really sort of cheated them for my quest for another ring. Buster, Tim, and Sarah will have a lot more on that, as well as more on previously retired legend Bruce Bochy making it to another World Series. We got a good show ahead. In terms of podcast remote, the College Game Day podcast, new episode up now on YouTube, or uh, you can listen on this podcasting platform. Reese Davis with a with an interesting uh, tale from behind the curtain of College Game Day about a you know an editorial quandary they came up with a a pre produced segment and the uh, allegations of Michigan spying on other teams in the Big Ten. Uh, pretty interesting stuff uh, here and here and Reese rap about that and and how they kind of came to a decision on the show. So check it out, College Game Day podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. 
when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirkson. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirchin covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, uh, it's been well established on the podcast that you're an insane traveler. You arrive at the airport many hours in advance of your flights. I think today may be a record for you. Because what time is your flight today? My flight's at 7.50. I was in an Uber at 4 a.m. for a 7.50 flight. What now, is that? Let me explain, that? Buster. Explain. I just did seven games on the radio with Eduardo and with Ravi. They offered to give me a ride to the airport in their Uber. So we went as a team. I got to my gate at 4.35 for a 7.50 flight. This is quite a life I have carved out for myself. I have spent more hours in an airport than any man on the face of the earth. And I'm not proud of any of this, but I do want you to know that I wanted to make sure I was in position to do the podcast at 6.15 local time, and here I am. I broke a record that I'm not very proud of. Yeah, uh, and I, I benefit from the fact that it's important for you to be uh, – your ethic is it, built into that is the fact that you, it's important to you for be, to be a good teammate. And you're doing that, getting up and speaking with me. Uh, you're over in Gate E. I'm talking above the PA here in Gate A. Thank you for getting up. I need to say that. And I would also say that, you know, you left the hotel at 4 a.m. and I offered you a ride a half hour later. You could have slept another half hour. But no, you were in a rush to get to Gate E at 4 o'clock in the morning, 18 hours ahead of the flight. Right, because I, I can't deal with rental cars in the morning if I don't have to. You have to turn in a rental car, which means I probably would have to gotten on one of those rental car buses, which is the worst experience ever. I went straight to my gate because the Uber dropped me right there. I just want to, I just want to get to the next destination as quickly as possible. That's all. All right. Well, I will say this. Taylor all morning has been beckoning me to like give him a chance to talk about your travel habits, but I'm not going to do that because I'm a good teammate. Okay. Because I'm a good teammate. And I know, <laughs> I know what you really want is to talk about the series between the Rangers and the Astros, which finished last night. Uh, I, I'm surprised about the Rangers, but I'm not. What about you? Uh, I'm not either, Buster. After I watched them dismantle the Rays, I said to myself, all right, there might be something going on here. Then they took a 101-win team, the Orioles, and they took care of them also in an emphatic way. And I said, all right, something's really going on here now. And then they, they take on the Astros, and I thought, well, the Astros are – have way more experience than this, but I'm telling you, there's something about the Ranger team that's different. I don't want to be corny about this, but Chris Young put together a group of guys who are really good players, but almost as important, they are good in the room. Every single guy that he brought in was going to add to the chemistry and the culture in the clubhouse, which I believe in. I've always believed in this because of how 
difficult the game is to play, how long the season is, if you don't get along with each other in that room, it's not going to work. He brought in Nate Evaldi, who galvanized that entire team, and now they are a real team. You just look at just look at somebody like Travis Jankowski, okay? Buckshaw Waller told me he's the best fourth outfielder in baseball, and yet when they needed him to be an everyday outfielder for a month, he stepped in and was really good. And then it became time after month to return to his role as the fourth outfielder, and he's more than happy to do it. That's how that team has operated all year, and the guy handling the whole situation is Bruce Bochy, who deals with situations like that better than anyone. I am so impressed with that team, how they conduct themselves, and how dangerous they are in so many ways on the baseball field. And part of the reason why they advance is because Adolis Garcia, it feels like, announced his presence with authority. Uh, you know, every October, casual fans get to learn about a player they didn't know much about, and he's that guy this uh, this October, Tim. It was fun to talk to him right after the game and to hear his emotion. Yeah, well, he drove he drove in fifteen runs in that series. He hit five homers in the last four games of that series, and the Rangers <laughs> needed to win all of those games. In the biggest game, game seven, he was the best player on the field, and he won the MVP as he should have for the series. Every year, Buster, there is a breakout guy that you just look at and say, wow, everyone knows who this guy is now. We should have known long before this, given the production that he has given the Rangers this year and several years before, but now everyone knows who he is. But this is the part that really struck me. Brad Miller, who's a really smart guy with the Rangers, told me, it looks like Garcia is swinging wildly all the time, and yet he's really capable of making in-at-bat adjustments where he he swings wildly at the first pitch, and then he figures out, all right, i got to try something else, and he's able to do that. That's what he did yesterday. That's what he's done for the entire series. In bat, in at bat adjustments that really work out for him because that was a breathtaking uh, show of power and speed and defense uh, in that series. And Moxie, uh, and I think that home run to right field really, to me, demonstrated who he is as a player and what he's capable of doing. Yes. Yes, Buster, that ball was so far gone the minute it left his bat, and it's an opposite field homer. And again, he always stops and admires, his, which he shouldn't do because he had a double off the left field, a single off the left field wall and didn't run to first. And I think his manager was not very pleased with that, but his power to the opposite field is prodigious, and his, his pull power is even more prodigious. Again, this is why the Rangers are of such a dangerous team is he was the guy that led it in the middle, but they one through nine, they had somebody who can hurt you in a game. And all nine of those guys got a huge hit or made a huge play somewhere along the way in that series. You know, and he of course is going to be remembered uh, for his role in that fight that uh, not really a fight, a bench clearing incident that happened in game five. And it was really interesting uh, you know, talking to Bruce Bochy before game seven, he mentioned that he had had dinner with Garcia uh, the night before, which to me, you know, said uh, said a lot about him, said a lot about Garcia. You know, the night before one of the biggest games of the year, I asked him, I said, wait, you, you were you talking to him, you know, having a conversation with him because he had struck out four times and hit a home run? He goes, no, just dinner, which is Boch. Right. Well, that's why Bruce Bochy is a Hall of Fame manager, is he just goes out to dinner with his players here and there, and they probably didn't even talk about baseball. They just talked about everything else. And that's why Bruce Bochy is so good, is his connection to people, especially his players. And the, the Garcia notes are just amazing. He's, he's the only player ever to strike out four times in a postseason game, and then hit a home run. He's the only player in post in major league history to hit a grand slam against a team during the regular season and a grand slam against that same team in the postseason. Not only win the MVP, he broke a bunch of records too. Very impressive. I loved hearing and uh, we you know talked to Boch after the game last night just how much fun he was having. 
like even he brought up because normally uh, I think in that situation as an interviewer, you want to put him into context. And I think I said in your first year with the Rangers and, and he, he just had this big, biggest grin on his face. He talked about being at home for three years and like, oh, my God, I'm getting a chance to go back to the World Series. Right. And that really means a lot to him. It was so funny. Chris Young told me a story that, you know, after the Rangers lost eight in a row and 20 out of 30 late in the season, Chris Young looked at Boach and said, are you sure you wanted to come back for this? And Boachy like laughed out loud and said, look, I love this, whether it's, 20 losses out of 30 games. I love this more than anything because otherwise I'd be back at home sitting in a rocking chair. Instead, I'm managing a major league team and that's what makes him happiest. And now he's managing a major league team that is going to the world series one year after winning 68 games. This is a great story that I'm not sure everyone is paying attention to how the Rangers have gone from where they were to where they are in such a short amount of time. And whoever they play, I'd recommend to that team, don't get into a game seven against Bruce Bochy, right? Because we saw in that game last night uh, how much urgency he manages with. Uh, you know, and I, I never get uh, when Randy Smith first hired him as a manager for the San Diego Padres back in 1994. And I asked Randy, I said, what, what do you like about him? He said, he, he's not afraid of anybody. He's not afraid of anything. And, and I, you see that with the moves that he's made. Here he has Max Scherzer, feature Hall of Famer, kind of grinding away with the lead early in the game. And Boach is like, nope, going for somebody else, like other matchups. Just moving on, Tim. Right. And that was the difference last night, Buster. And it was obvious to everyone the sense of urgency with which the Rangers played and Bochi managed and the lack of urgency yeah. by the Astros in that game. I still can't get over. Maybe they've been there too many times. Maybe they're so good this time of year. They just figure we'll figure this out no matter how many runs behind we are. But to me, that was the difference in the game last night is Bochi was ready with everyone immediately. And to get, Scherzer out of the game that quickly and bring Jordan Montgomery in, who did a great job. It wasn't Madison Bumgarner great, but it was really good. That was the difference last night. It looked like the Rangers were hungrier and wanted it more than the Astros, which is really saying something because the Astros have been so good for so long. And the Astros managed by Dusty Baker, who will make a speech in Cooperstown probably in three years. You know, assuming that, uh, as we've been speculating upon for weeks now, that this is the end of the line for him as manager of that team. Uh, you know, sometime when the dust settles, it would be fun to have a conversation with Dusty, who, as you know, is not he's not defensive like uh, a lot of folks are. And you could ask him, hey, how come you didn't pinch it for Martin Maldonado? Which surprised me, Tim, in watching that game play out last night. And, you know, why did you take out Maytone at the end of the first inning? Uh, you know, why why did you leave France in for two, so long? I mean, the idea, Tim, that in game seven, Christian Javier would face six hitters and J.P. France, uh, France would face eight hitters is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, the France thing is the one thing that I do not understand. The, the way he struggled with his command right off the top, going 2-0 on like the first three hitters. He should have faced three, four hitters at the most, and instead he faced eight. And the fact that they didn't walk Dolis Garcia intentionally with, with yeah. first base open confused me also. But again, this is the beauty of baseball is we'll be able to dissect all those moves for years to come where it doesn't happen like that in other sports. Dusty had his reasons why. You're absolutely right. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer when the time comes, won over 2,000 games. He knows more baseball than you and I and a million others combined. But there were some curious moves last night. And I repeat, it just seemed like Bruce Bochy had a sense of urgency and the Astros didn't. And the Astros become the 23rd consecutive team to fail to win back-to-back -back titles. Uh, as you know, Tim, you know, it is the, the longest running streak of it uh, for teams, not winning champions, not uh, winning back-to-back -back titles in any professional sport uh, in major professional sport in the United States. And after the game, Justin Verlander was talking in the Astros clubhouse about that very thing and saying, you know what? Baseball is just different. 
it's harder. And Martin Maldonado was talking about the grind uh, of getting through. They look tired this year. They look beaten up. I don't, I don't think there was at any point this year that you looked at the Astros and the way they were playing because the early season injury to Altuve and the struggles of Abreu and guys in the rotation getting hurt, the bullpen kind of being nicked up, that they ever really played like we saw last year. Yeah, and that's a tribute to them that they yes. almost made it to the World Series and they were exhausted from the start. I sensed that from the beginning. Dusty called it the hardest, the biggest grind he's ever had as a major league manager with all the, you know, all the things you have to do as the defending champs. And then he loses Altuve and Abreu doesn't hit a homer till March the 28th. And he loses other guys out of the lineup and he loses, you know, three starting pitchers early. It's in many ways, it's a miracle. They went as far as they did and a tribute to the Astro organization, their players and their manager, that they nearly made it to the world series in a season where very, very little went right. You know, I walked into the interview room after the game wondering if Dusty would make an announcement and trying to, you know, find out from the players, did Ducky, Dusty tell those guys, you know, this is it for me? But when, you know, I asked Dusty a question about it, he basically said, look, I, I know the pecking order here. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, essentially, I'm way down the list and I don't want to take the spotlight from anybody. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, that we didn't hear officially from Dusty last night. This is the end after managing uh, you know, 26 seasons. And now he's got some time, Tim, to get ready for the most interesting Hall of Fame speech ever. <laughs> well, I, I think Dusty is going to eventually resign, whatever we're going to call it, as the manager. And I think you're absolutely right. He recognizes, given his wisdom that this is not the time for you to announce something like this. It's time to allow the Rangers to bask in their glory of, of winning this. And he will, I'm sure make an announcement as things move forward. And yes, I can't wait for his hall of fame speech. It will be hilarious. It will be heartfelt and it'll be great because he, if indeed he's done here and I think he is, um, he's had a remarkable career as a player and as a manager, uh, very, very few people have had a baseball life to match that of Dusty Baker. Yeah, and it'll be fun. I remember in the uh, beginning of uh, this year, in the first day of the Astros camp, asking Dusty, uh, okay, when you guys won the championship last year, when Dusty won his first World Series, who did he hear from? Because I knew the answer was going to be interesting. And he, of course, landed on Sandy Koufax and Barack Obama, in Snoop Dogg. And I suspect it'll be the same thing when he makes his Hall of Fame speech in a few years, Tim. Right. That's the greatest list of three li list of three people ever. Koufax, President Obama, and Snoop Dogg. And I asked <laughs> once, I said, how, how do you know President Obama? He goes, well, when I was in Chicago, he was, you know, in, in politics in Chicago. <laughs> he told me last year, President Obama called him on the phone, or this is several years ago, and Dusty thought it was one of his friends pulling a prank on him. And he said, no, this isn't President Obama. And he said, yes, this is really me. And Dusty said, how did you get my phone number? And President Obama said, I'm the President of the United States. <laughs> Only <laughs> Dusty could tell stories like that. That's why I could sit with him all day, because there's no telling what he's going to bring up, but whatever it is, it's going to be funny. It's going to be entertaining and it's going to be informative. Yeah. He really, I mean, you described it well, you know, I love those pregame sessions we had with him in these years he's been managing the Astros. And before that, because in conversation, he could tell you a story about Hank Aaron. He could tell you a story about Willie Mays. He could name drop about just about anybody and it never felt like he was name dropping. It was just a natural conversation because the man has known everybody and done everything. I think in his book, he mentioned, you know, smoking weed with Jimi Hendrix. Jimmy and we saw him in the on deck circle when uh, Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record, hitting number 715 on April 8th, 1974. And then, and then Dusty winds up managing the guy who went on to break Henry Aaron's record. Right. Well, again, he's he's everywhere. We're talking about Rick Monday's home run, the famous one in Montreal. Dusty, well, yeah, I was on base at the time. He was always on base. He was always in the on-deck circle. He was always around everything. And if this is indeed 
he's done here and I think he is. Those are the things I'll miss the most is just sitting in his office talking about baseball and wondering when's he going to say, oh, yeah. And by the way, this is what Hank used to tell me. Those are my favorite stories ever. Oh, there's no doubt. When I had a conversation with Ian Reggie Jackson the other day, and I said, you know, one thing is, was, I think that you guys said very different experience was, experiences was Dusty always seemed to have someone around. And I said this to the two of them, that Dusty always seemed to have someone around that he could look up to and talk to. Uh, and I don't know if Reggie always had that. And, and Dusty nodded his head. He goes, absolutely. And he ran through a list, as, he, as only Dusty can do, of the guys that uh, he looked up to. And Hank Aaron, as you know, uh, at the top of that list. So, uh, as I said, I look forward to his Hall of Fame speech. It'll be an absolute blast. He said after the game last night that, uh, you know, he's got grandkids that probably deserve more of his time. Uh, and he mentioned that he has two hunting dogs who probably have forgotten who he is. And it's sort of a classic dusty, dusty style. It feels like the, the Rangers are going to be very well set up, Tim, for the World Series because they're done. They're ready to go. Nathan Avaldi be lined up to pitch game one. Jordan Montgomery, I think, would probably be able to, uh, to line up to pitch game two on Saturday. And on the other hand, you get the Phillies and Diamondbacks. They play a game seven tonight that nobody expected. Right. I'm, I'm not shocked. I picked the Phillies to win in six. I hesitated. I was going to have them in hey, seven. You expected a game seven with the Diamondbacks? I thought there's no chance that the Diamondbacks would push the Phillies this far. Well, I picked them in six, but I thought I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if they go seven because of the way Tori Labello runs that team. And again, Buster, we've been over this a hundred times. They are the blueprint like the Reds and the Orioles and others, young, hungry, athletic teams that take it to the other team. They took it to the Brewers. They took it right at the Dodgers. The only way you can beat a better team in baseball, when you know they're better than we are, is to go punch them in the face first and take it to them and push everything and take the extra base and say, we're coming right at you. And that's what the Diamondbacks did, have done in the playoffs so far, and that's why they're still in this thing. I think the Phillies are going to win. I think the Phillies are a better team. But anyone who hasn't paid attention to what the Diamondbacks have done, especially down the stretch, they just haven't been watching. Remember, they had that horrendous bad streak where I think everyone, especially me, said, that's it, they're done, they're too young, they can't make the playoffs. And they battled their way back in and made the playoffs and now have been wildly impressive in the playoffs. All the pressure tonight is on the Phillies. Doesn't it feel that way going into the game? Oh, there's no doubt because if the Phillies lose, this will be, you know, this will be a crushing blow. Devastating. But again, I don't think they are because I think Schwarber, Harper, and the rest of that team will figure it out. That crowd will help them along. But Buster, the one thing we must have all learned from this year is nothing, nothing should ever surprise us again after watching maybe the most unpredictable season slash postseason that I've ever seen. All right, Tim. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, you're always a great teammate. Thanks for doing this so early in the morning. Uh, my pleasure. Travel safely today, Buster. I'll see you soon, okay? You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. 
Sarah Langs, a reporter and producer for MLB.com, everyone's favorite baseball statistician. And she's up very, very early with us. Sarah, what time did you go to bed last night? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Not a good question. After 3 a.m., definitely. But I will own up to it. I'm so glad to be here chatting with you. But I did miss Buster just barely. So up early, but not quite early enough. So thank you guys for making this work. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you for getting up. And this is your punishment. You have to suffer through this with me. No, so. no. <laughs> Not Buster, unfortunately. Uh, I've got some questions from Buster, though. It's like I'm, I'm the intermediary here, but uh, I think we all know where this is going to go. How happy were you to see your pal Bruce Bochy punch oh, a World Series gosh. ticket last night? When they went up big and it kind of became clear, I mean, even in the first inning, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, Bochy really doing this. I mean, never in doubt for him, but of course... The team with everything they went through down the stretch and the fact that they didn't win any of those games at home. I mean, I was just so excited for him and I was excited for my mom. It was her birthday yesterday. Oh, nice. And she is, of course, as I've established, a huge Giants fan, but she's also a huge, huge Bruce Bochy fan. So I was just so excited for her. Her birthday is in this kind of pendant clenching time of year and one of the years that I was in college the Giants clenched the pendant on her birthday uh, so she sometimes gets that extra, extra cool uh, birthday present so I was really excited for her that that happened I'm just excited for the baseball world to get to see this from a legendary Amanda. Uh, Tim said yesterday that Bruce Bochy beautifully mumbles, and I, I'm excited yes. that we, we get more of that uh, <laughs> as we continue through the postseason here. Uh, all right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is sex. So I wasn't going to start with Bochy, but now I have to because we just talked about him. So he is now 6-0 as a manager in winner-take-all postseason games. That is the most wins by any manager in winner-take-all games in postseason history. Just the most wins, and he hasn't lost one. That means he also has the longest winning streak, longest winning streak to start a career and everything else. He is also the first manager to win an LCS with at least three franchises, and he is just the third manager to reach the World Series with three teams, Bill McKechnie and Dick Williams, did so before they had to win three LCS in order to do so. So, I mean, he was already a Hall of Famer before he retired and came back and graced us for this presence again, and that was just amazing. Double Hall of Famer. I'm also feeling Buster's role here by like shaking my head, like as you're, you're firing these stats off, like in, in <laughs> awe of them. So we're doing a good job here. Let's go to number two. Number two is four. So the other thing is, I was thinking entering the deck that maybe for the second consecutive year, we would have both pennants clinch on the same day, on the exact same date. The last year, that happened on October 23rd. That had not happened since 1992. Now I'm sitting here thinking, oh, the division went at home. We're going to have both pens not to pass. Instead, we get two game sevens. So since the LCS expanded to best of seven, which was in 1985, this is the fourth time that both the ALCS and the NLCS had gone to seven games in a single year. It also happened in 2020, 2004, and uh, 2003. It's really, really cool. I mean, Game 7 is the next best thing. I mean, it's amazing. Next best after having two games in one day. Wish we could get some sort of Game 8 to get another game today. I'll take it. Number one. Number one is six. So I use six twice. I apologize. I wish not to do that and I was screwed up. Unbelievable. Too early. 
when the Dolly's Garcia last night on en route to winning uh, ALCS MVP, recording the RBI in his sixth straight game in the ALCS. So every game of that series, except for game one, he had at least one RBI. That is the longest streak in a single postseason by any player since RBI became official in 1920. He finished the series with 15 RBI. That is the most in a single postseason series. He broke a record held by Nelson Cruz, also a Ranger, in 2011 when he had 13 in the ALCS. And I love this list of names. He became the fourth player with multiple homers in the Game 7, joining Johnny Damon in the 04 ALCS, Jason Diami in the 03 ALCS, and Yogi Berra in the 1956 World Series. I love this for him. I love this sort of like quasi-villain arc that he had over the course of the series. I've always been such a fan of his energy, and it's just great to see everybody fired up about him. He's awesome to watch. America taking notice. Hopefully he puts on on the big stage in the World Series. Uh, Sarah, two more things for you. Dusty Baker. We got two man, two legendary managers here. One going to the World Series. One is out of the postseason. Might be done with baseball. What are your thoughts on this potentially being the last time we saw um, Dusty Baker in the dugout? That was one thing that was truly sad last night. I mean, the Astros will be back. The players will be back. There's so many great players there, and it's always disappointing to not make it to that next round, but I know that they'll be in these situations again. But I was thinking of Dustin, and I think I said entering this series, I had no idea how to handle it emotionally because I didn't want both to lose. I didn't want Dusty to either. One amazing baseball life, one amazing career, going back to being a player, going back to being on deck when they rear and hit the run and what have you. It's absolutely incredible. I was actually talking with Buster the other day, and he asked me to look into the oldest player, the uh, Dusty Baker face as a player. And it was Hoy Wilhelm. I mean, the fact that he faced Hoy Wilhelm, and here he is managing its 21-year-old Evan Carter. This is the last we see of him for, for the worse. I mean, but I hope that he is able to enjoy himself. And, I mean, I'm so glad he got this opportunity with the Astros, which I don't think any of us would have seen coming about 10 years ago. So I'm so glad got that chance and he got that ring all right sarah last one for you well, you're going to be on the spot you know buster he wouldn't give me marching mm. orders without putting you on the spot who mm. do you got in game seven of the nlcs phillies or the snakes oh my goodness i mean i will say i was so shocked and so impressed with the imax how the game went on monday i'm still so much into all of the Philly home field and everything else, even though it definitely took a bit of a crack with their first home loss yesterday. So I think I have to take the Phillies, but oh my goodness, I mean, the Diamonds have shown that they will not back down in one amazing series for them, whether they win or lose. A team that everyone thought might get swept ends up coming in here into a game seven. I mean, Great for us, great for them, and great for baseball. And Brandon Fott on the mound. He's got two yes. shutouts so far this postseason. You taught me that one, Sarah. So I'm excited to see what he can do tonight. Good stuff. Thanks for doing this, Sarah. Thanks for getting up early. We'll be back on more of a normal time tomorrow so you can sleep in a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. Oh, yeah. It's cranking in there. Busy in the Houston airport. Eric Sorensen, he's got a different uh, different view on life here. He wrote in last night, thank goodness for ESPN's radio crew, best in the business, including this picture. He included a picture of his tractor because he was working at night listening to the game. How much do you love that, Buster? 
Nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to say no to a tractor. Uh, and I will tell you that uh, I was looking at the forecast back for Bozeman. You know, we've had basically beautiful weather throughout the playoffs. Uh, I mean, how many rain delays have we talked about, Taylor? Like none. Yeah. Like it's been super nice. I'm going back and the forecast for Bozeman on Thursday is seven degrees and snow. Ooh, get that snowblower out. Maybe first, first. Yeah, who are you wearing right now? That that you would need that if you were to be in Bozeman. I'm conjuring Bozeman. I've got right the snowblower all, all warmed up and ready to go. I did that at the beginning of September. You laughed at me, and now you know why. Now I know why. Now I know. who's laughing now? Buster is. PK Steinberg is up next here. It's and is the best comp for the Diamondbacks. They are a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament. Decent. Totally agree with that. And by the way, I should say about Eric uh, Sorensen's note. No, I, I thank you so much uh, for the compliments. It really wasn't. I mean, he's not complimenting me. He's complimenting Carl, Eduardo, Tim, you know, on the National League side. Of course, we've had the legend, Boo Chambi and Doug Landville. They've done a tremendous job. So, Eric, I appreciate the thoughts right there. Next up, we've got Blue Domer Dave. He writes in Buster. It's the end of the eighth in the Astros and Rangers game. And I'm thinking, what's the greatest ninth inning comeback in playoff history? Is there a standard answer here or are there multiple contenders? Hmm. Hmm. Um, the greatest comeback ninth inning. Well, I mean, you know, Gibson's home run. It's and that wasn't like a huge comeback for the Dodgers. It wasn't like they were down a massive number of runs. There actually was a game in the 1929 World Series, and I can't remember what the score was, but the Philadelphia A's were losing like three or four or five to nothing, and they scored ten runs in one inning in the 1929 World Series. And then a couple weeks later, Wall Street crashed. And the Great Depression began. Ah, well, <laughs> people forgot about that real quick. Uh, let's go to Travis here for Bleacher Tweets. He writes in, is it factual that Adolis Garcia is going to hit free agency at, at age 34? Stinks to be a late bloomer in baseball. Age needs to be factored into the equation for when a player hits free agency. Thoughts? Yeah, because it took so long for him to establish himself in the big leagues. And I know this, I have a couple of friends who are Cardinals fans and they were texting me last night. Gee, wish we had a player like that. He and Randy Rosarena, of course, both came up in the Cardinals organization. They were friends and teammates and basically given away as secondary parts and trades. How about that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough look for the cards. Uh, let's go to Christopher Bishop. He writes in, is this the end of the Dusty Baker story? You and Tim seem to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last night, uh, you know, the Athletic had a thing uh, where they were reporting that Dusty has said to other people that, you know, this is it for him. And I'm like, yeah, we've been talking about that on the podcast for you know, potentially for weeks that this would be the end for him. <laughs> and last one for today, Jacob Ekber at Bad Speller rates in the argument. He's going up against you and Hembo here from yesterday. He's writing in the argument that Abreu didn't hit, intend to hit Garcia because doing so would be foolish is the equivalent to asserting that Holyfield wedged its his ear it's into Mike Tyson's teeth. Young Don't men often resort to foolish aggression in charged situations. Blame the player. Now, here's the deal. Uh, like, I, I, I mean, the, the, the circumstance, most sane people would say he almost certainly did not hit him. Okay. Based on the logic. But I do leave out the possibility. And I had this conversation with Bruce Bochy the other day. He's managed players who have gone rogue. He's managed mm -hmm. relievers who have gone rogue. Remember that whole Hunter Strickland throwing at Bryce Harper yeah, thing? Yeah. Like three years ago. Hunter Strickland told teammates ahead of time because he had this beef with Harper that he had posed at a home run like that was three years old. Right. And so Hunter Strickland was telling teammates, like, I I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to throw at Bryce. And the teammates are like, Oh, really? And you remember the famously Buster Posey, who had gotten the heads up, just stood at home play, didn't bother going out defending his pitcher because he thought it was so <laughs> ridiculous. So Boach, you know, was talking about how sometimes pitchers go rogue. I can't tell you for sure that he didn't. You know, maybe he did throw at him. But it was interesting when, in Abreu's relief appearance last night, he again was having a hard time commanding the ball high and inside. All right. Well, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on tw Twitter while you're watching another Game 7 tonight, and we will be back on Wednesday. I would say this. I don't know if you were watching this late in the game, but when a roll is chapping, uh, you know, hit uh, – who was it last night? 
Oh, oh, uh, Chaz McCormick. Mm-hmm. He hit him with a fastball in his back right leg mm-hmm. at 104 miles an hour. Yeah, I'm guessing that was on purpose. And it was funny that there was no ejection in that situation, even though Chapman had gone on the record saying it was on that the what uh, Abreu had done was on purpose. <laughs> they just moved anyway. right past it. Yep. Yep. There you go. All right, that's it for today. Uh, my thanks today to Tim, to Sarah, to Sarah, and to you, Taylor. Appreciate appreciate you getting up early and. Uh, taping this before we get on a plane yeah man we gotta we gotta get it done for the pod we gotta get the show in we couldn't we couldn't let the people languish until you know almost first pitch right and we've got another podcast this uh, week on wednesday we'll talk about the phillies and diamondbacks game seven we're gonna take thursday off this week and then we'll have a podcast from arlington on friday as we get ready for the start of the world series so thanks for listening uh, stay safe and remember hate and inequality based on skin color is something that we need to fight against every single day.